Thanks once again for being with us today. Uh, you know, at the beginning of this crisis, I think many of us were prepared for a sprint, but maybe not all of us were prepared for the marathon that is this COVID-19 crisis. And so uh, we probably all had moments arise over the past six weeks where we've probably said something to the nature of, well, I wasn't ready for that or I wasn't prepared for that to happen. And so these moments arise out of unexpected transitions. Um, maybe they're big, maybe they're small things, maybe it revolves around a transition from personal contact with one another to now having to be socially distant. Maybe it's a transition of helping your kids with a homework assignment only to now find out that you're in charge of their entire curriculum and now you're their teacher. Maybe it's a transition from having a spouse that uh, works a 40 to 60 hour work week if you include transportation. And then um, now they're at home working from home. That just is a transition. Now they're there with you 24 seven. Uh, maybe it's a transition from having all of your plans for spring break, for summer activities, end of the school year things, and then all of a sudden suddenly having them all be canceled. Maybe it's just from having a set way of doing things in your life and now having to totally rework how your life functions. And so in the beginning of this worldwide, national, and even communal transition, I read an article from the Harvard Business Review entitled, this is the title of it, it said, that discomfort you're feeling is grief. And so the minute I read that article and read that title, there was this light bulb that went off in my head and it was basically just saying, yes, the things that I'm feeling right now are things that I felt before, but I had yet to make that clear connection. And so in a bit of irony, uh, this is the first time that I am speaking in front of a camera, doing a whole message for Open Life since the day, the week after my mom passed away. Back about almost uh, four, five years ago, or four years ago this summer, my mom passed away and I had recorded a talk a few days after that had happened that was um, based out of Romans and we were talking about the hope we have in Jesus even when we're going through difficult circumstances and times in our life. And so in a bit of irony now, I'm here to do uh, uh, the message on um, the Matthew 5, 4 passage, it says this, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. For me, this is something that's very personal. I have lots of experience with grief, mourning, um, weeping, sadness, and loss. And so one of the things that I think our culture is pretty poor at is letting people grieve and mourn in the time and in the process they need to grieve and mourn in those things. And so we often feel the effects of grief and mourning, but we discredit it. And we say things like, I'm fine, or I can get, I can get on from this, I can make, a, I can do good, or I can put a good face on and make it through this situation. And so just like the title of that article said, I think that feeling that you're feeling right now is grief, some part of it. And so the article was actually an interview with David Kessler. He's one of the co-authors of a book with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Um, it's a book called On Grief and Grieving, Finding the Meaning of Grief Through Five Stages of Loss. And so I bet if we all did some self-examination, we would find ourselves in one of the stages of grief um, during this COVID crisis and during the stay-at-home order. Those stages of grief are as follows. I just want to read them to you quickly. The first is denial. And so that might be us saying at the beginning, well, this virus isn't going to affect us. We're Americans. We're so far away from this. Or this is just the flu or this isn't serious. The next stage is anger. 
You know, where we were basically saying, I have rights. You can't cancel everything. You can't do this to me. Uh, the next one is bargaining. You know, we all said it. If we, if we just, you know, uh, social, stay socially distant for two weeks, we're going to flatten the curve and then we're going to be past this and get back to normal. Maybe it's sadness. Maybe uh, it's just this sense of just sadness that's come over your life as all of these transitions have happened. And then finally, there's a stage of acceptance. And this is like, I think, just happening for some of us. And it's basically us finding a way to function in this new reality of life we're in currently. And so it's important to note that both of these authors explain that these stages of grief are not just a linear progression. They actually happen at different times and it'll be based upon your own personality and other like family of origin, things that come up inside of us that uh, would help us grieve in the process that we're grieving in. And so maybe you're feeling some of these things at the exact same time. Whatever is happening, I think we've all had a sense of grief, of mourning, of loss during this season. And so um, if you just look around social media, um, I think you can see some of it. And not that we should be, I'm trying to diagnose people when what they post on social media, that would be a fool's errand. But uh, one of the things I think you see as you look around, people are very, very, very angry. People are also very, very sad, like with things that have they have lost in their life, a sense of normalcy, um, their plans that have just gone by the wayside because of a small microscopic virus. And so where do we go as followers of Jesus during this time when it comes to grief? Maybe it's something apart from this situation. Maybe you have grief and something else that's happened in your life. And how do we process and look at loss differently as followers of Jesus? And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. And so today our big idea is this. It's we will all be comforted. We will all be comforted. And now that's the positive way of saying that we are all going to have times of mourning. We all have probably felt one form of grief mourning or weeping related to something to COVID-19. No one is immune to grief and mourning. We are all going to have a sense of loss no matter what we're doing in our life. But as followers of Jesus and members of his kingdom, we have the promise of comfort in these times. And so I'm not going to stand here and promise how that is going to happen for you in this situation. All I can do is share my own personal story of grief and parts of it but not to make you see um, that you will find comfort in the same way that I did, but to hopefully encourage you that you will be comforted. So again, Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. It says it in Luke 6, 21, it says, blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh. And a commentator on a book on Matthew, he says the word mourn remains unqualified. We should think of both spiritual and social concerns. Mourning includes grief caused by both personal sin and loss and social evil and oppression. So grief is not just caused by outside forces coming against us. Grief can be caused by our own sinful actions or uh, the sinful actions of others. And these could be even actions that come out of grief and loss. It only adds to the grief and loss that we're already having. But I just wanna say there's hope. The commentator goes on and says uh, that God will comfort now in part and then fully in the future. And so mourning is both for things that have happened against us, 
but also for things that we've done in our own sinful nature. We grieve over when we fail. When we fail in sin, we grieve over that. Jesus grieves over that. Um, but comfort is both for our present sufferings, but also for ultimate comfort uh, when Christ returns and when we're with him in eternity. And so we have a few thoughts to kind of process grief together. Um, we're gonna, kids, your time's coming up. We got a cool video to show you just in this first thought. But thought one today is that Jesus is with us in our grief. Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. And so I don't know if uh, the idea that being a Christian is easy comes from kind of a self-help culture or if it comes from a prosperity doctrine background, um, that basically uh, being a follower of Jesus in times of grief and loss means that we're just suddenly taken into the easy lane and that we're given um, just an easy way from then on. Um, but grief doesn't look that like that. Grief doesn't, there's no easy way for grief. And so... Um, I know this because our leader, Savior, our, our Christ, Jesus, uh, mourned and grieved during his life. And so he did this so that we would not have to suffer and grieve and mourn in eternity, so that we would have true eternal life through him. But he also shows us the way to persevere by the way that he lived his life. We can look to the life of Jesus and find an example for how to grieve and process mourning in our own. And so uh, this is the story that we just came out of in regards to Easter and Good Friday. And so if you did not, uh, if you weren't watching or following along with Open Life during that time, we'd love for you to go back and watch the, the talk or the message before Easter because it talked about Jesus' road to the cross and how much he suffered for us. And then our Good Friday service where we just unpacked the scriptures of Jesus suffering as he took the cross and, and bore that. And then, of course, we celebrate in Easter, but Jesus's path was full of suffering and heartache and mourning. And so I think like we can look to him to see how to act in our times of grief and mourning as well. So, um, but he also felt intense grief personally, like over things that we would have intense grief personally for as well. And so kids, instead of reading a story today that you're going to um, try and draw, we're actually going to show you a story. It's an animated story. We think you're going to love adults. It's also really fun for you to follow along. There's some great things for us to pick up related to what we're talking about today. And so you can still draw. You still grab your um, paper, your coloring supplies. Feel free to draw whatever you want to draw as we watch this story together. And then you can always send those pictures to Dana at Dana H at openlife.church. And she'd love to see what you're creating and what you're drawing. And then at the end of our message today, we have an, uh, another opportunity for you to draw a picture. So let's watch this video together. This is Jesus. hey -o! who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love. He did many miracles and healed people of their sickness. Jesus had a friend named Lazarus who was very sick. He had two sisters named Mary That's okay. and Martha Here you go. who sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So come on! But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, 
It happened for the glory of God. Uh, what? So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. All right, I, let's go. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Uh, are you sure? But his disciples did not think this was a good idea because the people in Judea had tried to kill Jesus. But Jesus told them they were going anyway. He said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. Eh, be okay. The disciples thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. What? And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Many people had come to be with Mary and Martha because their brother had died. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Then she returned to Mary. She told Mary, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. Oh, let's go too. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry and he arrived at the tomb. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Wait, hold on, Jesus. But Martha protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Go ahead. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus came out, his hands, feet, and head wrapped in cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the Jews who were there believed in Jesus, 
for he had raised Lazarus from the dead. Did you enjoy that? I think even for us adults, there's um, some things, specific things that are communicated when it talks about grief and comfort. And so first for grief, I think um, the first is that you see this intense grief of the mourning of Lazarus' sisters. Uh, you've, you've probably felt that before, if you've lost someone. If not, you will. We all are gonna lose someone in our life. And so I think we see that even just in that kid's story. But when you read the scripture as well, you sense the loss and the mourning that they have over the loss of their brother. And so maybe you're feeling right that now in this present situation because you've lost something related to COVID or you've lost someone in the past and it's something that you're still processing. The other second thing is that the encouragement comes when they are joined with Jesus and you hear uh, before the miracle, um, Jesus is with them in their grief. You read in John eleven thirty five, 35, the verse is simply this, Jesus wept. Jesus um, was with them in their grief. He understood their grief. Lazarus was his friend as well. And the people noticed. They, they're like, he must have really loved Lazarus. And so Jesus, the savior of the world, is not immune to mourning and grief. He shows us that. And so we do not serve a God that is separated from us, that um, is just kind of up on his high horse and not, doesn't know what we're going through. He felt the same things we feel as it relates to grief and loss and mourning. And so then there's a couple of things about comfort. And uh, he says, ultimate comfort comes in our grief for those who believe and will live an eternal life with Christ. You see that in Martha's reaction. It doesn't immediately take our grief away, but it is a sense of hope. It's, it is a sense for us to look past our current situation and say, you know what, to help me get through this, I'm gonna remember there is hope for those who follow Jesus. And Paul writes about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14. He says this, and now dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And so we do not grieve like people who have no hope. As followers of Jesus, we have hope in Christ. And so we should be so thankful for that. The second note about comfort from that video that I grabbed is that another note is that, uh, it's, and this is going to lead us into thought too, is that Mary and Martha ultimately got to see their present hope fulfilled when Lazarus was raised to life. And so sometimes that happens. Sometimes you pray for something, a struggle that you're going through, and you find relief specifically related to your prayers. But that doesn't always happen. Blessed are those who mourn, for they are comforted. For Mary and Martha, they saw that immediately. And so, but we know that's not always the case. We suffer. We have to mourn. We have to grieve. We pray. Sometimes we pray for something for years, even for decades, and we don't see that prayer come to fruition the way that we want it. Just this past Thursday in our prayer course group, we were talking about unanswered prayer. And one of the things that just stood out, the main thing that just jumped out to me is what the person said. He says, God's silence does not equate to God's absence. God's silence in our times of prayer and deep mourning and as we're processing things does not mean that he's absent from the situation. God is with you. 
God, Jesus grieves with you. Jesus is with you in your grief. And so that leads us to thought too. Jesus redeems our greatest sorrows. And so I can say, you know, I'm 33, almost 34 years old. The greatest sorrow that I've had in my life has been related to the death of my mom four years ago. And the violence of the, of the way that the brain tumor she had just overtook her mind is not something I want to ever experience again. The way that my family had to grieve and process and how it affected us even physically, like in our bodies and financially and just all the different things related to the death of a loved one uh, are things that I could still like cry about and go down a dark path when you think about. And so um, I'll get reminders on social media sometimes about this happened four years ago or this happened five years ago. And they're usually related to posts I post that were updating my family and friends about my mom's situation. And, you know, five years ago it was, hey, she's going in for surgery and, you know, like, please pray with us. You know, four years ago it was like, you know, things are not looking good and, you know, having to update through the whole process. And those things still pop up. And so they can be things that just lead me down a dark path where I just enter into that grief process again. And that happens, like, I think naturally for everyone when we have reminders and, and things like that um, that pop up. But can I try and comfort some of you today who might be going through that sort of season right now? Like, you're going through a time of mourning, of grief and loss related to something related to COVID-19. Um, but just to say, if you will hold that grief, if you will hold that sense of mourning, and maybe it's a sense of grief and mourning related to some sin struggle you have or some decision you made that you know was wrong. If you will hold those things, whatever it is, and offer them to Jesus, not to just say we just let them go and then we're completely just unburdened from them, but if we hand those things to Jesus and actually let him carry them with us. And if we learn to let Jesus take the full weight of those things, there's a way forward that I truly believe you will begin to see Jesus redeem your greatest sorrows in your life. You'll come to know that although you're in the darkest time of your life, you might begin to look back and say, that was also when I began to feel Jesus and God's presence like I've never felt it before. A time where you would say, I've never felt closer to Christ. When those reminders come up on Facebook or social media, or if people just bring it up, they'll, they'll still maybe throw you for a whirl. It's like, you know, I wasn't expecting to have to like reprocess that, but they become not no longer pillars or reminders of all the grief and loss and heartache, but they, in a sense, become pillars of the hope and of the grace and of the love that Jesus just wants to throw upon us in these situations. And so if we can kind of, in our minds even right now, think a year from today, I think we're still going to be feeling the scars of COVID-19. I think some of us who have lost jobs or have really difficult financial situations, you're going to look back and you're going to still feel the pain of what's happening right now. Uh, if you've lost someone or you know someone who's sick and who has gone through the process of recovery, you're going to look back in a year and just be, it might even be traumatic to go through. 
maybe uh, just the loss of all of your plans for the spring due to everything being canceled is going to have a leave a scar on you. But my hope and prayer is that even in this time, you would begin to say, God, I'm choosing to offer my grief to you to let you begin to take some of the burden of this grief so that I may walk with you in the hope that you have for me. So that in a year, in two years, in four years, you can look back and say, remember that time during COVID? That was the worst, the worst time. But I've never felt the presence of Jesus in a greater way. I've never felt closer to his presence in my life and knowing that he's with me, grieving, processing, mourning with me through this, and I'm throwing my trust and hope upon who he is. And so it's not only that for ourselves that we're comforted, uh, it's for others as well. Paul gives us this really challenging attitude that we can have in our times of suffering in 2 Corinthians 1, um, three through seven, he says this, and just to be challenged by this, it says, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Listen to that again. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Wow. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives, you, gives us. And so I just read that and I'm like, what? So in all of our troubles, God comforts us so that we can comfort others? In the grief and mourning surrounding my mom's uh, cancer diagnosis, her fight and her death, my family was comforted so that we could comfort others? In the suffering, grief and mourning related to COVID-19, God is comforting each of us so that we can comfort others? The answer is yes, yes, and yes. In this moment, as hard as it is, we have a hope in Jesus. And that doesn't make this situation any easier for us, but it does give us a hope and a sense of comfort so that we can go and comfort others. And so just so you know what comforting means, a commentator on 2 Corinthians uh, David Garland, he says this, he says the comfort that Paul has in mind has nothing to do with languorous feeling of contentment. It is not some tranquilizing dose of grace that only dulls pains, but a stiffening agent that fortifies one in heart, mind, and soul. Comfort relates to encouragement, health, exhortation. God's comfort strengthens weak knees and sustains sagging spirits so that one faces the troubles of life with unbending resolve and unending assurance. So I hope today that in the midst of whatever situation that you find yourself in related to COVID-19, related to some other form of suffering, pain, mourning, loss, whatever it is, that you would begin to see the comfort that you've been given so that you can comfort others. 
I love the opportunity to pray with people, to give advice, to talk about my process of mourning the loss of my mom. It's so encouraging. It's one way Jesus redeems the greatest sorrow in my life. How is Jesus redeeming your greatest sorrow? And so as followers of Jesus in this present moment, may we acknowledge the way we are mourning and grieving during this time. May we know that Jesus is always with us in our suffering. May we know that we will find comfort to endure now and we will find ultimate and final comfort in death when Christ returns. May we, in our comfort, comfort others as well. And so we have a couple action points for you. And so the first is this, to contemplate your own grief and comfort. So a lot like last week when we encourage you to pray a prayer of humility, this is kind of a prayer of just acknowledgement of the grief and comfort that you have in your life. And so the way that this would work is, I would encourage you to have a journal and just write out two, like two sections, grief, comfort, and then ask yourself this, is like, God, how is my grief manifesting itself? What stage of grief am I in? How is it uh, affecting the way that I'm acting? Am I acting out of anger or any of those stages? And then say, God, how am I receiving your comfort? Am I letting my hope in Christ slowly break down my uh, propensity for anger or sadness or, or the denial that leads, as those things are broken down, that lead to right actions out of our grief? And just to use that as a time of prayer and a time of just meditation and contemplation with God. God, how am I grieving right now? But also, how am I finding comfort in you? And so it's important to name these things. Um, Back from that article I mentioned right at the top from the Harvard Business Review, um, at the end it says, when you name it and talking about your feelings and emotions, you feel it and it moves through you. Emotions need motion. It's important we acknowledge what we go through. One unfortunate byproduct of the self-help movement is we're the first generation to have feelings about our feelings. We tell ourselves things like, I feel sad, but I shouldn't feel that way. Other people have it worse. We can, we should stop at the first feeling. I feel sad. Let me go for five minutes and feel sad. Your work is to feel your sadness and fear and anger, whether or not someone else is feeling something. Fighting it doesn't help because your body is producing the feeling. If we allow the feelings to happen, they'll happen in an orderly way and it empowers us. Then we're not victims. And so this is from a secular viewpoint. And so as followers of Jesus, we have this great resource to power and the Holy Spirit to contemplate and process our grief and our comfort. And so I want to encourage you to do that today, whether it's a journal or just in your prayer times during the day, to just process that with God. How am I grieving and how am I receiving comfort? And then finally, the, the second thing, and kids, this is your drying moment. Thanks for your patience and waiting till the end. Um, but number two is to comfort someone else. And then if you have a family, include your family in that process. So kids, I would love for you to draw a picture Uh, of just an encouraging picture. Maybe you draw a picture of a dog and you give it to a neighbor and it has a note on it that just says, thinking of you today, or you can do this, or, you know, if the context is right, we're praying for you, or just like, don't give up. 
So drawing a picture that would just encourage someone. Maybe um, you draw out the encouraging note first and then you color it in and then you put some cool pictures on the side. But sending a note to someone that would just encourage them to comfort them during this stressful season. And then adults, if you don't have a family or kids um, or even on your own as well, um, check in with someone this week. Shoot them a text give them a phone call, set up a Zoom meeting. I know we're Zoomed out and stressed by it, but Zoom is kind of our grace to be able to meet together during this season. And so I will just wanna encourage you to actually do that, to comfort someone else this week by reaching out to them and just say, hey, I'm praying for you, thinking of you, you can do this. Um, we're there to help, to strengthen needs to let them know that someone is with them going through this. And so out of our hope and out of our comfort that we have in Jesus, may we comfort others this week. And so I hope you put those actions into practice this week. And I'm just gonna conclude with prayer. And I just want to encourage you, if you don't have that hope in Jesus, this is a great opportunity for you to choose the hope of Jesus, to choose to follow Jesus today. So I'm gonna start off my prayer, of just a simple prayer for people that haven't done that, and then we'll pray for everyone who's watching right now that you go in power and in peace and in comfort that comes from Jesus and his Holy Spirit working through you um, in this time of intense grief, mourning, and loss. And so God, I do that right now. I pray for anyone here today who's not chosen to follow you. Would they just repeat a simple prayer like this after me? God, I choose today to change the direction of my life and I choose to follow you. I choose to now see everything out of a lens that you give me, changing and reorienting my life towards you today, that I would choose to follow you, put my whole hope, my entire trust in you. And even though I don't know all the ways that's gonna work itself out, God, today I choose to let my life be turned in a different direction by following you today. And I receive that in my life and in my heart and my very soul. God, for everyone here today, um, I just pray for power, for peace, and for love to just flow on each and every person, God. In our times of grief and mourning, um, whether they're related to COVID-19 or another form of grief that we're still processing, even years down the line, God, I pray that you continue to just fill us with your hope and your love that we would just begin to be built up so that we would be comforted in God. Not just an easy comfort that comes to us for us in a moment, but a comfort that strengthens our knees and helps us to carry on with perseverance and endurance through whatever trial or struggle we're going through today. Be with everyone who is here watching Open Life today. Be with all of our friends, loved ones. Be with all the churches in our community. And we just ask for a great move of your spirit today, wherever people are experiencing you. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.